Howdy, partner. Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few things to say. I actually don't have any announcements, so I wanted to take this time to thank all of you for sharing Potterless. I've seen people sharing Potterless on social media, telling me that they've told all of their friends and family about it, or their roommates, or their classmates, or their teachers, whatever it is, and this just warms my heart so much and helps the podcast so much. The best way for any podcast to grow is by word of mouth, because there are roughly 700 trillion podcasts out there, and the only way people are going to listen to new ones is if they get a really good elevator pitch about it. So, Anyone out there listening, if you have told a friend, a family member, anyone in your life about Potterless, thank you so much. It means so much to me. And if you haven't done so, how about just take a second, think about someone that you know would love Potterless, whether they're a big Harry Potter fan or it's your friend that you're really trying to get into Harry Potter so this can be their gateway. Why don't you tell them about Potterless? It really does go a long way. Word of mouth is so crucial. And for all of those who have done it, thank you so much. And for all of you who might do it in the future, thanks in the future. Speaking of thanks, but in the presence, we have new patrons to welcome to our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless. So a shout out to Ashley McMaster, Pinky Perfect Dolls, Grace, Shervy Fan, Frida Vikstrom, Karen Bartlett, Jewel Nelson, Adriana Cox, Christina Jansen, Leanna Johnson, Rebecca Von Appen, Skylar Barsanti, Jennifer Burnett, Amy, Kaylin Waddles, Kaylin Waddles, Megan Olson, Claire Robertson, Finn Sasse, Callie Ta. Hada, Amy Griffiths, Jessica Barr, Ellie Loria, Katharina Sorko, Elizabeth Yamka, Nicole Kiedis, Haley Duff, Nicole Emery, Rebecca Huston, Melissa Kotzel, and Samia Ahmed. Shout out to Topher Williams, Elia, and Anthony Charlier who upgraded their pledge. A special shout out to David Bray Meehan who blanked and missed the Portland show by accident. Yo, I've been there. It's all good, man. And a shout out to Weekend at Dead Cat Ladies who upgraded to the producer level status. They joined the ranks of our new producer level patrons, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Emily Gale, Ryan King, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, and Toothless Walnut, they all join the ranks of our existing producer-level patrons. Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Sadie, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah, Clow, Alex, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, Juan, Jenna, Kieran, Rebecca, Abid, Caitlin, Rosemary, Jill, Marie, Lisa, Ariel, Romina, Kamal, Anthony, Russell, Dustin, Katie, Audrey, Indiana, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Micah, Andrea, Nikita, Colette, Shrina, Lala, Chelsea, Taylor, Lovecash, Ali, Cassandra, Roxy, Amelia, Sean, Jeremiah, Sarah, Jesus, Ben, Zachary, Jessica, Arna, Brandy, Melody, Kristen, Zach, Elisa, Tiago, Daisy, Jessica, Orchid, Jonathan, Joe, Steve, Vivian, Samuel, Victoria, Takari, Darlene, Drake, James, Haley, Marino, Moster, Pinky. Hannah, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Peter, Maria, Phineas, Natalie, Victoria, Lee, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Cecily, Finn, Mosin, Grace, Sammy, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Heidi, Alexandra, John, Jen, Sefran, Dusty, Noel, Tao, Hala, Emily, Michael, Robin, Patricia, Will, Neil, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Vittorio, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Sina, Siljay, Desiree, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alicat, William, Holly, Veronica, Everly, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Lucinda, Carlos, Pam, Nikki, Shamil, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Kerry, Andrea, and Can't I Potter? Who never clipped their nails too much where it kind of hurts a little bit afterwards. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content, my notes, exclusive merchandise, exclusive live streams, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 66 of Potterless covering chapter 13 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring David Gordon, the guy who did the amazing audio for the Seattle live show, and the one-man wizard rock band Alas Earwax. There's a face in the back of my head that tells me what to do. It's a little bit mean and a little bit green. It belongs to you know who. Hello, Internet! 
and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 26-year-old man reading the Harry Potter series for the first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that 26-year-old man, and you might have noticed that the intro song was a little bit different, and that is because I am joined by my beloved friend and fellow Seattle improviser and, what is it, Wizard Rock musician? Uh, <laughs> and Wizard Rock band. And, okay, and, and Wizard Rock band, alas, Earwax, David Gordon. David, how's it going? Those are both my names, the name of my band and the name of me. They're the same. Nice. <laughs> well, I am happy to have you along for an in-person episode of Potterless, rare edition where I'm not Skyping someone. I, I offered to change to Skype if you wanted. I can go in the other room. <laughs> yeah, well, the only other room in my apartment is my bathroom, so. Probably got good acoustics, right? Ooh, echoey and tile <laughs> stuff. That would make for very good audio. So we're here to discuss chapter 13 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which is called the Muggle-Born Registration Commission, which is some Nazi-ass shit if I've ever heard it. I mean, I feel like real repressive governments only name those commissions something like the fun committee, right? Like <laughs> this is almost too to the point, right? You know, the yes. like was the the George Orwell, like the Ministry of Truth, mm-hmm. like yeah. that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like the, these Nazis could be a little more Nazi. The name just gives me goosebumps and in not a good way. Oh, I agree. <laughs> so let's get right into it. So chapter 13 begins. And if you recall from last time, they have just opened the elevator doors and we've seen Dolores Umbridge there. So Ooh. Hermione right off the bat is in some hot water because Umbridge first knows the lady that she is disguised as and two has a job for her to do which is record keeping for the interviews of these muggleborns that umbridge is doing in the uh, the atrium of the ministry of magic well and this uh, this puts hermione in kind of a tight spot because she says oh he sent you did he so <laughs> she can say nope uh which on the one hand seems like a good idea Mm-hmm. To to not just be like, sure, I'll do whatever job Umbridge wants me to do right yeah. now. On the other hand, she's tracking Umbridge, which seems like a thing that they want to be doing. Totally. But you also realize, based on the next sentence, the fact that she is available just then means that Umbridge can start doing her job right now instead <laughs> of waiting and doing less of whatever clearly terrible job Umbridge is doing. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, they get into it later, but Harry realizes that him, Ron, and Hermione did not come up with any sort of plan of what happens if we get split up, and that causes lots of problems in this chapter. Which is, I mean, concerning given that they don't actually know who they are other than mm-hmm. they know Ron's a janitor. Yeah. <laughs> so the the chances that the three people that they've randomly picked will not seem odd being in any place in the ministry together mm-hmm. didn't it wasn't an issue. We didn't no. worry about that. And they didn't realize it, and it actually didn't come into play. But the person that Ron is disguised as and the person that Harry's disguised as would not be in any sort of communication with each other. They'd be mortal enemies at best. Absolutely. <laughs> so Umbridge says that she and Madolfa, which is who Hermione is disguised as, will go down a floor to the courtroom. And Harry has to get off the elevator right there because Umbridge points out that it's Alfred's floor. That's his name, right? Alfred Rumcorn. Yeah, it's not his floor, but I think they're basically at the end of the line. Like, there'd be no reason for him to not get off there if he's in that elevator. Sure. I've got very confused over the course of this chapter of where all the different floors are. The ministry goes down. Oh, oh. Right, because remember, they're underground. Oh, okay, because they said the top floor... At one point, I was like, but he's on the first floor. What? Yeah. Okay. It's negative numbers, basically. Oh, okay. Got, okay. That makes so much more sense. Well, because they, 
haven't <laughs> talked about it since book five when he had to go down for the, yeah when the T nine the courtroom was at the magic beginning. yeah <laughs> which still makes me so mad. So Harry then bumps into the new minister thickness. Is it thickness or thicknessy? I don't know. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I played wizard rock music for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and in my songs I had to say people's names sometimes, uh-huh. and that was how I learned that I don't actually read names when I see them in books. Oh. Uh, I skim them and then just sort of pronounce the syllables I noticed. Okay. So I was writing a song at one point, and somebody had to point out to me that I was uh, not pronouncing the Minister of Magic previous to this one's name correctly. Fudge? No. Oh, uh, uh, Fenrir. No, not Scr- Fenrir Greyback. What's <laughs> the, uh, the lion guy? Yeah. Uh, so oh, Scrimger. Right. I was pronouncing it Scridgemore. Scridgemore. That's more fun. Right. Which yeah, <laughs> seems like a perfectly reasonable name. It's funny to think that like you get all these ridiculous names in the Wizarding World, and if it was the exact opposite, no one would blink an eye. Like if in the book he was Scridgemore, and then you said Scrimger, like someone would be like, oh, what? Oh, come on, that's wrong. <laughs> well, so that was the thing. Is like I'm very like into accuracy like i want to be correct and just the number of times that i found like i'm gonna write this person into a song i've been pronouncing their name incorrectly for more than three years (laughs) oh and then it ruins the rhymes (laughs) (laughs) i mean that never stopped me from writing anything (laughs) wizard rock was about fun not about being good at music (gasps) don't tell that to harry and the potters i don't know if they would be upset about that (laughs) i'm mostly talking about myself harry and the potters if you're listening uh Hi. What up? Uh, so, yeah, long story short, I'm not the person to be asking cool, about cool. the correct pronunciation. I, w- I want to call him thickness because I think it's funny. I think I, I think I pronounce it in my head like thickness. Uh huh. I don't even think that's consistent. I don't know. I don't know. Was he even in the movies? He was, yeah. Oh. But so briefly. Okay. <laughs> Did they ever say his name? I Yes. Oh. Once in the council scene at the beginning. This would be in the first seventh movie? Yes. <laughs> okay. In, in 7A. 7A. <laughs> So thickness, as I will at least be referring to him <laughs> for the rest of these episodes. Pious thickness. <laughs> is, it, is it just like a Puritan name? He's just for a, like he's a, a thick boy that eats lots of pies. Or I was thinking like Puritans who really work out. Oh, right, like a, where you name a, your kid after a virtue, but then like you also name them after the like trait that you hope they embody. So that you hope they embody piety and thickness. <laughs> the two best things to be nice. <laughs> And full of muscles. So <laughs> Thickness asks what brings Runcorn to this floor, and Harry hesitates for a second and then goes, oh, Arthur Weasley, which great, great on the spot thinking by Harry here. Very proud of him. And Thickness then asks if it was because he was caught having contact with an undesirable, and that just again. Very Nazi-esque, just, oh, an undesirable. And this is this is the thing that I find fascinating about. I mean, both this fictional purity cult of Mm -hmm. quote unquote pure bloods and also like real life purity cults like, you know, the Nazis or KKK or whatever. They know Arthur Weasley is friends with Harry Potter. Yes. They know he's a member of the Order of the Phoenix. They have so much dirt on this guy Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter unless they have this ultimately incriminating evidence yeah. that being a pure blood is so like, oh, well, he's fine then. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. obviously not necessarily true in all circumstances, mm-hmm. but it's interesting how that like this one trait is sort of redeeming about like 
people who are pure bloods are perfect. So uh-huh. they get a pat and you end up having this completely impure society because I mean Mundungus is probably a pure blood. Sure. Like <laughs> but he's garbage. <laughs> he's bad. And you you know, you have all of these people that they would consider undesirables who mm-hmm. are clearly superior to some of their Yeah, like Hermione's life. easily one of the best wizards that exists, but oh no, she has dentist parents. <laughs> How dare she? Uh yeah. Well, and we we get into that more as this chapter goes on, but mm-hmm. just I think this is kind of why that sort of purity obsession has never really resulted in a better society. Oh, no, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> because if the basis of your society is anything other than are like these are we cool, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. can we, can we all like get along and like yeah. accomplish things and work together? Like positive traits that anyone could embody yeah the traits you're basing your selection on are stupid it's very stupid Stop. yeah i uh, i'm glad that we're coming to the realization they're like wow being a nazi sure is dumb well i mean <laughs> I, I will say this you know harry potter books never get particularly preachy about it but no. there are not a whole lot of children's books Mm-mm. that would be like hey let's talk about this nazi metaphor yeah i mean and this is a, a real like analog to a lot of real world situations but not a direct enough analog to be like they're just wizard nazis right yeah it's not like beating you over the head it's doing it nicely and that's why i've said this before but i always found it very strange when catholic schools would say oh you can't read harry potter because it's about witchcraft or whatever it's like are you kidding me there's so many good lessons in these books behind a story that is so actually enjoyable to read and to follow that kids will actually read it and not feel like they're reading a psa book that this is way more effective than so many other means of trying to teach your kids not to be racist or not to be sexist or whatever yeah and i think it's because harry potter is trying to teach any of those lessons no right it's a story about people living in a complicated world Mm -hmm. where those lessons are applicable sure the only other thing that i can think of off the top of my head that does as good a job and i think maybe even does a better job but is uh zootopia oh yeah see i felt zootopia was a little beat over the head with it which is i think that zootopia is much more of a children's movie more so than by the time you get to book seven these aren't really children's books anymore so i think that they can be a little less direct or zootopia got to it a little bit but i still appreciated it because i know that maybe a nine-year-old is going to see this movie and they need it to be a little more beat over the head so i get it and i think the thing that both of them do well is that they don't sacrifice their story totally to like the message and they don't oversimplify their worlds. Yeah. The thing that that really struck me about Zootopia is there's no perfect characters. There's Mm -hmm. no flawless characters. There's no blameless characters. There are clearly characters who are more in the right. Yeah. But there's no one who is just evil. Sure. Which is something that Harry Potter can fall prey to occasionally. Yeah. I do think Harry Potter does a good job, which is sometimes frustrating to me as I talked about a couple episodes (laughs) when we learned that Lupin sucks or kind of sucks or at least had a brief fleeting moment with sucking. Like nobody's perfect. (laughs) And I think that's good that like Harry has flaws. Even Hermione has flaws. Nobody's perfect. And that's nice. But Yeah, I think Voldemort is pretty universally evil where you can just be like, okay. And that's why I've always found Umbridge to be a more compelling villain than Voldemort because you can see Umbridge 
in people that you've known in real life, like there is a solid chance that you know a Dolores Umbridge yeah. somewhere in your life. It's got to be really rare that you're like, oh yeah, that's my neighbor Todd. He murders people and he's half of a snake. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not really a common archetype. So that's why I personally found Umbridge to be more compelling and more rage inducing for me. It's like, ah, I know Umbridges. Oh no, I, I absolutely agree. Like I've been very blessed to have very few people in my life who are nice. like Dolores Umbridge <laughs> in many ways. I know uh, I have a very close friend who was not that lucky, had like oh, something man. very, very similar mm-hmm. in terms of like a student teacher relationship oh, where the no. teacher was not like physical harm, but like bordering on that abusive. Okay. I agree. I think there is like Voldemort is almost a like force of nature yeah. sort of fearful, right? And sure. like I might be killed by an earthquake tomorrow and that's frightening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whereas Umbridge is much more like, oh, there are people in the world who are this petty and this mean Mm -hmm. and are in positions where they can take that out on people and like yeah that was some of the hardest parts of harry potter for me to read were the umbridge chapters in five yeah it's just rough so yeah she's good (laughs) so harry says no to thickness asking if it was because of an undesirable and he then leaves harry puts on the invisibility cloak and he's freaking out because he now has the realization oh crap we never had a plan for what to do if we got split up so he sets off to find umbridge's office but he comes upon a bunch of witches and wizards making pamphlets in unison, which I first thought was the Imperius Curse, but later you learn that they're just stuck with this awful job. The biggest red flag of these pamphlets at the beginning is that the pages are square, which can, I don't, that feels weird. That feels so <laughs> wrong to read a square book. Ugh. I can't, ugh, gra- ugh. <laughs> like, I know that that's not really the biggest problem, but it did give me the heebie-jeebies where it was like, he saw the square pages being put together. I was like, oh no, ugh, come on, rectangles, Umbridge, what are you doing? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just to unnerve you as you pick up the pamphlet and then you'll transfer that feeling onto the undesirables. So that's the first red flag. But Harry then notes the cover, which is pink, of course, with a gold title that says Mudbloods and the dangers they pose to a peaceful, pure blood society, which, again, is some Nazi stuff. It's super racist. And at least my understanding of the word mudblood in the Harry Potter universe is that it is a slur, right? Like, would it be as bad as like the N word? I don't think it's uh, that I, I, bad. I don't, I don't think it's that bad. But lots of people at Hogwarts get upset when Malfoy or somebody says mudblood to Hermione. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, it feels a little bit like maybe queer. Okay. In, in terms of like, it's a thing that you can say and it might not even get bleeped out on television. Uh-huh. But nobody is going to be happy to be called it and especially right like more, especially not, by so someone like, that is not yeah well you know the like the n-word is just like going to be offensive whereas like queer like it depends more on the context sure. who's saying it how mm-hmm. are they saying it yeah i don't feel like there would ever be like a mudblood like reclamation so maybe that really isn't <laughs> yeah. the right <laughs> yeah metaphor but it feels like it's somewhere in that zone okay. of it's always meant negatively mm-hmm. which is yeah. Like what? And well, I don't know. It it kind of it kind of shakes out over the course of the series because the first time you ever hear it, mm-hmm. Ron tries to curse Malfoy for having said it. Right. So like his immediate mm-hmm. response. And I yeah. feel like over the 
the subsequent books because we've spent so much time around Malfoy and Death Eaters mm-hmm. and like everything else we've heard the word a bunch. Though I take it back, I think it is closer to the end. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah. yeah, this is as bad as the government just deciding to print that pamphlet. Yeah, it, that's what seemed weird is that you have this commission which is called the Muggleborn Registration Commission. So at least you have what is the more PC or less offensive term. And to me, it seemed absurd that on this pamphlet which is already crazy that it exists but to put mudblood in all caps yeah. on the pamphlet across it seems nuts like an official government document that's got a racial slur on it like that's nuts to me well and you think that's how fast this government is moving that yeah. they in the last couple of months established a muggle-born registration commission mm. and like this pamphlet let's assume this pamphlet hasn't come out yet they're mm-hmm. still like printing it yeah but that's over the course of a couple months we've moved from the sort of everybody accepts that this is a descriptive term for this name to just like no we're just straight up yeah we're not hiding it anymore <laughs> yeah this is what this is about <sighs> yeah yeah so the first red flag square pages second red flag slur in the title Third red flag is the cover art, which is a rose with a face getting strangled by a weed. Uh, 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 (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this kind of drawing makes me think of the Jim Crow drawing that Childish Gambino was mimicking in the beginning of the This Is America music video, where it's just very uncomfortable imagery that is seeded in racism or blood purity in this case. Yeah, it, it reminds, my, the first thing that it brought to mind for me was uh, anti-Japan propaganda from World War II. Oh, I don't know that I've seen any um, of there, Yeah, I mean, there's, so I studied Japanese all through high school. I lived in oh, Japan for a couple sweet. of years. Uh, so that's something that I'm a little bit more aware of maybe, but mm-hmm. sort of World War II was the last time that we had a like, national enemy that we were that okay with just like racially caricaturing it reminds me of like that era and older and i mean like even still like there are still obviously like racist portrayals or whatever but you know in mainstream political cartoons in cartoons and like newsreels and stuff that played Mm -hmm. in theaters like we've gotten to a point where we're not okay with our propaganda being that overt <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and that overtly like racially based mm-hmm. and they did not have any such compunctions uh, <laughs> in the olden times yeah. of the 1940s. Yeah, oh, back, way back when. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, so it, it definitely like is, is evocative of a certain yeah. type of mm-hmm. just bold-faced, this is what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, so just super, super gross. I felt, uh, I mean, you could tell it's good writing when I was feeling very uncomfortable reading this you're supposed to so one of the witches doing work on the pamphlet starts talking shit about umbridge and then somebody else tells her to quiet down so this let me know okay it's not the imperious they just you know are forced into doing these jobs and i wanted to say like well why don't you just quit but then i realized are there other jobs in <laughs> the wizard world? It's like you work for the government, you're a Quidditch player, you teach at Hogwarts, or you work in a shop that's in Hogsmeade or Diagon Alley, and that's it. Well, I mean, I do think, uh, especially like if these people are like anything related to printing, mm-hmm. who is publishing right now that is not the ministry? Right. Right. Yeah. Like if this is anywhere close to their actual, you know, if they're not just like interns or something, yeah. the profit is under ministry control. Mm-hmm. There aren't other newspapers. There's the quibbler. Yeah. Like <laughs> what, what books are being put, which is, you know, like Xenophilius in his basement or something. Mm-hmm. What else is there yeah. that would actually take you away from the exact same power structure? 
Yeah. Oh, man. So they're just stuck doing these awful jobs. A wizard tells her to watch it and nods towards something across the room. We learn that what he's nodding at is Mad-Eye Moody's eye. The Mad-Eye is wedged into a door, I guess like a peephole almost, but way creepier. Uh, a creephole. <laughs> so Harry approaches it and he sees a plaque underneath that reads Dolores Umbridge, Senior Undersecretary to the Minister, and then under that it says Head of the the Muggleborn Registration Commission, which, yeah, awful. So Harry wants to go in through the door. So in order to do so, he sets off a decoy detonator, which I'm excited because I don't think we've ever actually seen one in use before. I don't think we have. We've just heard about them. So I was excited to see what they do. Basically, it's like a little thing you kind of wind up and send off and then it explodes. <laughs> which, I mean, why wouldn't you need five of those? You know, just in case. <laughs> so he does that. It blows up. The people leave. He goes in the door. And when he gets on the other side of the door, he sees that behind the eye is a telescopic attachment, which allows Umbridge to use the eye to spy on everyone in her pamphlet center. So Umbridge clearly didn't make that herself. Uh, no, I guess not. I like, wouldn't we, think so. We never actually see her accomplish any feats of magic. No. Uh, like, I'm sure she is, in fact, magical. Sure. But, like, we never see her do anything. Mm -mm. So you got to imagine there's some, like, the ministry equivalent of an IT department. <laughs> I'm going to need a telescopic attachment for this magical eye it's very important well and and also like umbridge gets mad eye moody's eye somehow sure maybe like ministry cleans up his body or whatever mm -hmm. and is just like i'm gonna take this yeah <laughs> and then has to take it to someone else and be like I want you to make it so I can see through this. <laughs> you can just imagine that person's like, well, I could gouge your eye out and we could work it like the old oh, owner. Oh, no. Uh, you know, in his head because he doesn't want to get fired. Of course. But like somebody had to build that. Mm -hmm. Like that was somebody's job. Somebody's job. Yeah. So the other thing about telescopic attachment that I wanted to discuss. <laughs> okay. Yesterday, I had two very lengthy arguments with people about the put outer versus deluminator, which is a big <laughs> debacle here on the Potterless <laughs> podcast. Mm -hmm. And my running theory is that because in the first book and the fifth book it was referred to as the Put Outer with a capital P and a capital O, mm -hmm. that that is the official name. And then J.K. Rowling got to book seven and said, actually, this name sucks, which it does. And then she tried <laughs> to pull one over on us and say, it's the Deluminator now. Everyone called the Deluminator. It's been the Deluminator the whole time, right? Of course it has. Hi, I'm J.K. Rowling. I don't buy it. And a, what a lot of people have tried to make the point is that, oh, this is the narrator from the perspective of Harry giving a name to something that doesn't have an official name because there's only one and Dumbledore made it and he didn't know what the real name was until the will said it was the Deluminator or whatever. But Harry doesn't just go off randomly naming shit <laughs> any other time in the book. And here's another example. He doesn't call this thing any sort of capital name. And he also didn't do the same thing for Thestrals. He just called them skeleton-like winged horses or whatever. He didn't call them bony ponies or something and be like, this is the official name of the Thestral now because I'm Harry and I just name shit when I don't know what it's called. So this, again, was like, look, here's another invention that Harry clearly doesn't know the name of. He calls it the telescopic attachment, lowercase t, lowercase a, it's not good. The put it's the put outer and JK tried to trick us. I mean, my so my personal theory, I don't think it's unique. You think there's more than one? Well, so I, I think when he's distributing the will, he says that it's clearly of Dumbledore's own design. Like mm -hmm. this design of thing is unique. Okay. So like no one else has this kind. Dumbledore uh -huh. made this one himself. Yeah. But he doesn't act like it's an unusual device. Right. Right. He didn't like I've never seen anything that oh. does this before. Okay. So I mean, like, not to jump into the middle of your argument, no, no, but please, like, please. if I was if I was going to present a theory on the two uh -huh. names, yeah. I would say that one of them is the name of 
the thing that Dumbledore made, and uh-huh. one of them is the name of the type of thing it is. Okay, so the put outer is what those things are called and Dumbledore's individual one is the deluminator. Like it's the model number. That, <laughs> like... that would make sense given. Well, you know, you think about like Dumbledore's like, well, I've, I've built my own put outer, but you know, that's a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this theory way better. That's so good. It's like, yes, they are called put outers, but it's very dumb. And Dumbledore is like, fuck this. I'm calling it the deluminator. <laughs> the biggest thing that I have with the whole, like Harry came up with the name for it yeah. thing is that when he learns it's the Deluminator, he just starts calling it the Deluminator without blinking. Yeah. He doesn't go like, oh, that's what it's called? Or, oh, I thought it was called the put-outer. Like, he has no reaction. Right. He's just like, yes, it is the Deluminator, of course. Well, I, f- I feel like Harry also has to go through life in the wizarding world that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he has like, to constantly be, like, pretending he knows things, <laughs> which or, I can relate to as someone that worked in engineering for four <laughs> years. Someone would be like, you know what this is, right? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'd leave, and I'd Google, like, what is this? Well, I think, and also, like, on some some level like on a daily basis he's presented with so many new, new things. things it's like you know that sure I, i'm sure that's what that's called mm-hmm. i'm sure it's as normal as you're <laughs> acting like it is sure well let's just go with that <laughs> i can support it. i can support it but yeah sorry for the aside i just had two very lengthy discussions about it a lot of which centered on why did it have a capital p and a capital o if it wasn't the real name of it if i ever get to interview jk rowling for anything the first question i'm gonna ask is like yo what what's the deal <laughs> oh man i don't envy jk rowling in terms of I think like more than any other author in Mm. modern times, I feel like she has been asked to flesh out her fictional world so much, so much. (laughs) And it's like, you know, so like so many books and I like I don't think Harry Potter is one of them. I think it is a very fleshed out world to begin with. But like there's so many books that just like they exist in their narrative Mm -hmm. and that's all they need to do. And like, there doesn't need to be anything else. And if you add anything else, it'll just make things unnecessarily complicated. Sure. Like, I think this is well, and so this is one of the reasons I think a lot of people didn't like cars. Uh, okay, I didn't like cars. <laughs> like, I th- I thought it was fine. Sure, I did not think the follow ups were fine. No, uh, no, very not fine. <laughs> but I, I think the 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 difference that I've found between me and people who I've talked to who did not like cars is that I very much took it as like. This world exists in as much as it impacts the story, and outside of that, it does not. Right? If the characters mm-hmm. don't need to do a thing on screen in this story, I don't need to know how cars do that. Yeah, you're referring to how people are like, how do the cars fuck? Like, how, do they, how do they make new cars? How do they pick things up? How do they build buildings? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like <laughs> all of these things. Like I don't, I don't need to think about that because this story doesn't need to take me there. Sure. And I mean, it's kind of the same way. Like people who nitpick like things about like Beauty and the Beast or something. It's like it's a fairy tale. It, yeah. It it exists in the narrative, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think once you start trying to make a sequel where they go anyplace else where that previous story didn't take them, yeah, now mm-hmm. you've got problems. Yeah. I struggle to think of like any other author who has had to be that intensely detailed. And I think I think she enjoys it, like mm-hmm. clearly because she's doing Pottermore and everything else. Yeah, yeah. But any other author who's had to answer for their work in yeah. the same I way. I think what makes it harder, because the thing that I'm trying to think of is like, what's another series that people would dissect a lot? And the first thing I can kind of think of is either Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. But I think that the the advantage that those have that Harry Potter doesn't is that Harry Potter is put in a modern yes. setting. And there's a lot of crossover between 
our real world, the muggle world, and then the wizarding world. And then you kind of try to draw parallels and understand how things work. Absolutely. You have a better grasp yeah. of how it can work. Whereas with the other stuff, you're like, ah, it's old medieval stuff. Yeah, yeah. trees walking stuff in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yep, mm -hmm. cool. Yep. I don't have any more questions about it. Like, it's just, this is how the world works. Yeah. Whereas when you set a thing in the 90s and you're trying to think about all these different stuff, then it becomes more problematic and more question-inducing. <laughs> I mean, and, th and that's... I don't know. I can't. I feel like I come across kind of negative, but like that's fine. Like one of the things that oh, I, yeah. I always really enjoyed about Harry Potter was trying to tell myself a story that like made like some of the weird stuff make sense. Because mm -hmm. uh, like that was that was always one of the things. Like when I was doing Wizard Rock, and like when I was interacting with other Harry Potter fans, and mm -hmm. and and Wizard Rock was always kind of this big conversation about Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Like you have a lot of songs that are just kind of, you know, like, ah, this describes a thing that happens in the book, or just kind of yeah. celebrating. But you also had a lot that were kind of commenting on it, or like coming from a different perspective, right? Yeah. Like you have like Slytherin bands who are giving this like, ground eye, like, what are the Slytherins thinking while yeah. all of this is or going on? Or your song, the the Bronze and Blues, which oh, kind yeah. of brings to light that, hey, none of the Ravenclaws really matter. <laughs> like, even though you have Luna, like, her entire substance can just be boiled down to, it's the weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that, I mean, that, that song was very much coming from my perspective as a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Like, once you dig into the books and you look at, what do the smart people do while this book is happening? They are Annoying to Harry for liking him, but then crying. Oh, gross. And then you got the weird kid and the snitch, Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, and that and that was the thing that I always loved about it is like, I take the book seriously. Like, I never want to try and like fix them or like pretend that like something didn't happen that it did. Like, I, I want... Like, I want to, like, just dig into that world and explore, like, those things. Like, and so another one of my songs, like, Marietta, about, mm -hmm. like, Cho's friend in book five, I think she absolutely gets a bad rap, like, in the books. I think the books treat her terribly. Sure. Uh, and I think, like, from interviews, it's clear that J.K. Rowling also thinks very little of her. Yeah. I don't blame J.K. Rowling for that, but I think it's great that the world she's written is complicated enough that we can keep digging into that and mm -hmm. finding interesting things to say about it and interesting conversations to have about it. Yeah, and you can have an entire podcast about someone not reading them and then reading them. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> or, or to, you know, you can have more than one entire podcast that just takes the Harry Potter book seriously. Like, have mm -hmm. you listened to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text? I have, and I've met the people that make it, and they are all lovely humans. I can well imagine. But, you know, just kind of that same thing is that there is enough here to keep us talking yeah. till... I mean, here, 10 years after this book came out. Totally. And we're still talking well, yeah, about it. And that's the it. experience that I had when I went to LeakyCon a couple months ago. I was walking through the expo hall, which is just where basically they sell merchandise and stuff. And I was realizing, holy crap, like all of these people selling stuff here are because someone wrote a book that was so expansive that now we have a convention about it every year for the end of time. Like <laughs> oh, this yeah. won't ever stop. <laughs> no, it was absolutely like insane. You know, back in 07, 08, when uh, mm -hmm. I was really like playing and like a much more physically involved like i never got to the point of you know i was no, i was never big enough to be like going to the cons and uh, playing sold out houses with the big dogs or whatever but it, it was it was just a such a fascinating thing like i've met 
people that I still talk to, mm-hmm. that I have done lots of non-Harry Potter things with. Totally. I recorded an album yeah. at... <laughs> How old was I at the time? 17. Were you 17 for the the album you gave me? Yeah. Whoa. I thought you were much older than that. That is very (laughs) impressive for someone who's a junior in high school. Well, and so, and I haven't done anything really like that since. Like there, well, I mean, I've I've done plenty of things. Uh, I guess my, (laughs) my point is like all of these experiences and like things that, we got to think about and talk about and play music about and that we're still thinking about and talking mm-hmm. about and people are still playing wizard rock even like yeah. I, th- thinking about this has made me really want to get back into it do now it, do it do it uh, do it <laughs> for you know as as much as we like may come off critically I think, <laughs> yeah you know uh no such thing as bad press i guess no yeah <laughs> and all of this stuff and I, i've mentioned this before but anytime you're critical about it it's because we love it, that we want to go in and analyze stuff. Yeah, it's, it's like when you point out a flaw in your best friend or something. <laughs> or, or, is, is that how you go about no, showing it's your love? something where it's like, if these books were bad and stuff came up, we'd just be like, oh, wow, what a dumb book. But no, it, we more think about critically, even if it's stuff that I have a problem with, like Quidditch or something else that I don't think makes sense, because the books are so good, I want to go into it yeah. and try to fix it or analyze it or whatever. If the books were bad, I'd just be like, oh, what a fuck. Oh, this is dumb. Like, I, I, I would podcast- that. would have ended on episode two. Yeah, geez, gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine how unenjoyable this podcast would be if I didn't like the books? Like, uh, I get to the seventh, I'm like, Ugh, Harry goes into the ministry. <laughs> it's such a chore to listen to. Uh, and I mean, that's not to, we'll get back to the actual book in a second. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing that I appreciate that I feel both you and your podcast, but also like we as a culture have kind of gotten over the like, angry rant like era of engaging with culture yeah just not fun i mean it obviously still exists but i feel like we've gotten to a much better place totally like maybe it's just a 10-year cycle but i feel like this is where we were in 07 and 08 Uh when like the harry potter thing was happening where it just Let's just be joyful in the things that bring us joy. Totally. No, you know? it's so much better. And, and that definitely was a thing that in, you know, like, I, I, what's, is it, the, what do you say for not the, the 10 years after the, the aughts? Like, what do you call the 2010s? The, the 2010s. 2010s. Okay, cool. I remember in like the 2010s that all of these negative media was the big thing. Yeah, like rant videos were just a thing. Like, oh, let me just watch this person just yell about stuff. And I made YouTube videos back then. I made a couple rant videos that I thought was like, these are gonna be great. And then I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? I was yelling about stuff for like five minutes on a YouTube video, like what am I doing? And you had like fail videos were huge. Like, let me just watch someone fail at something over and over again. Like, (laughs) what are we What are we doing, guys? I mean, even now, like when I go back and listen to some of the music I was making, like I can see that I fell into those traps occasionally. Because, oh, sure. you know, like it's fun to be like negative and angry or pretend angry or uh-huh. whatever. And yeah, like looking back on it now, it's just painful. Yeah. Oh, why were we doing that? Let's be happy, everybody. Right? Yeah. And, and it's something that I've come across as getting into podcasts. You'll see some podcasts. If in the first little blurb, you have the word rant in your podcast description, I'm not listening to your podcast. Because like, if I'm going to listen to a podcast, I'm going to either be working, doing something around my house, or driving. I want to be uplifting. I don't <laughs> want someone to be like, oh, let me just rant about how dumb something is for an hour. Be like, oh, geez, stop. There definitely is a place for that. Okay, so like The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Mm-hmm. Back when that was a thing, <laughs> it was always very meaningful the times when you could tell that Jon Stewart was actually 
angry about something. Yeah, or was, and I think was actually makes... emotionally impacted by something. And that was because the rest of the time he was trying very hard to, you know, not be that person. Yeah. And so, like, it makes those moments like, okay, this is a time to be serious. This is yes. a time when things are important. And I think the people who paint themselves into that corner of like, oh, like, we're going to be angry and ranty. And like, well, there's only so many things that you're actually exactly angry about. And you just end up being like, let's list all the problems with this. Like, well, yeah, if you're mm-hmm. setting out to find all the problems, you're going to. Sure. <laughs> How are you feeling? Like, are <laughs> yeah. you- I think, yeah, The Daily Show does that. And I think currently Last Week Tonight does a good job of that as well, where you've got the parts where he's jokingly angry. You've got the parts where John Oliver is really angry. And then you've got the parts where he's just straight up silly. And I think that if you've got all the different spectrum of emotions, it makes certain things stand out. But yeah, if you're just like constantly angry all the time, you have to think like, are you are you really mad? Or are you just like acting mad? What are we doing here? Uh, but anyway, Harry Potter. <laughs> oh uh, man, this, what a great book that we've <laughs> yeah. been talking about but not talking about. <laughs> so Harry then rips off this telescopic attachment and he takes the eye. And he then tries Accio Locket, which is my favorite thing. This I love this so much. I love just trying to do Accio, whatever you're trying to get. Just be like, I, fuck it. I don't, maybe it'll work. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing about being a wizard. You don't have search engines, but you do have literal life search engines. <laughs> yeah. Be like, hey, if this thing is anywhere over here, cool. Never look for your keys again. <laughs> so good. So he starts going through the drawers and he sees Mr. Weasley's file. And the file reads thusly, blood status, pure blood with unacceptable pro-muggle leanings, known member of the Order of the Phoenix, which, ugh, very gross, family, wife, pure blood, in parentheses, seven children, two youngest at Hogwarts, and B, youngest son currently at home seriously ill, ministry infectors have confirmed, which, nice, the whole ghoul in the attic thing worked. <laughs> And then finally, it says security status tracked. All movements are being monitored. Strong likelihood undesirable number one, which I laughed out loud when I read. I'm pretty sure there was a wizard rock band who just took their name as undesirable, undesirable. number one. Because it's it's a great band name. It is. Yeah. It just sounds like a very silly, less serious version of public enemy number one. Like public enemy number one. He's a danger to society. Undesirable number one. Well, we really don't like this guy. <laughs> we don't want him to show up to our party. It would really kill the vibe if he showed up. (laughs) So it's a strong likelihood undesirable number one will contact has stayed with Weasley family previously. So this makes me question something. Is this why they were able to keep track of where the squad went when they left the wedding? Or did we already understand that Arthur was being tracked by them? I am not surprised that Arthur is being tracked. That I wasn't d- that either, just makes and sense. I didn't know if the rest of them, if the Order already knew this. I'm still not sure how the Death Eaters knew where the squad went when they went to the random Muggle Street. That has not been explained yet. Cool. Uh, it will be later in the book, but it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. I want to say this tracking couldn't have been happening until they fully took over the Ministry. Oh, okay. I mean, that's just my guess. Because it's not the whole, like, under 17 or whatever Yeah, thing. because, like, the trace already exists, and sure. they just were kind of manipulating politics to make sure that it was like still in force and yeah. that they didn't have any other options to get out and everything else, but they weren't so in control of the government that they could just track whoever they felt like. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, like maybe if Scrimger was actually but, that paranoid, but I don't think so. Okay, so yeah, this is Scrimger's out, new guys in, let's start tracking Yeah, the now we're we tracking the order. Okay, basically. that makes sense. That's, that's my theory. I think that makes the most sense to me. Harry scoffs at undesirable number one and then sees literally a poster of him on the wall with undesirable 
undesirable number one <laughs> written across his chest and a kitty cat post-it note that says to be punished <laughs> next to it, which, oh, like, did you really, did you need to make this note, Umbridge, like you were going to forget what you were going to do with Harry? Oh, yeah, let me, oh, I for, keep forgetting milk, cheese, eggs, punish Harry Potter if I see him. <laughs> I mean, there is something of the personal touch to it. You yeah. know, there's the poster that says the government's after you, mm. but there's the post-it that says, I personally <laughs> am after you because the last time we spoke, you left me to be uh, whatever, whatever my fate was by with centaurs. a herd of angry centaurs. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. It's very silly. <laughs> so Harry gets upset and continues to look for the locket, but he doesn't just reach into the potted plants to look for it. J.K. Rowling says that Harry gropes in the potted plants for them, which is my least favorite word that she keeps using all the time. I think this is the fourth instance of the word grope being in these books, which is just like, I don't know if you, the UK is just different, but I feel like we <laughs> you don't know be if using the UK the grope. is different. Like, I mean, do, do they just go around saying like, oh yeah, I'm groping. I don't know. Grope to me is such a gross word. I would not have noticed it without it being pointed out. I think it does describe a different sort of searching mm -hmm. right that he is like feeling around to see if there's anything in uh -huh. there i don't know there's a couple of words that she uses maybe a little more than she needs to like that have, ejaculated yeah, uh <laughs> that have other connotations yeah. than maybe the ones she intended i don't know i'll give her a pass on this one okay <laughs> i haven't in the past or today <laughs> so harry comes across skeeter's dumbledore slam book in the office which also lists that rita skeeter was the author of a dippet slam book so she just writes books about the headmasters of hogwarts whenever they die. Surprising no one. <laughs> yeah. So Harry opens it to a random page and he sees two teenage wizards laughing. One is Dumbledore and the other just has long blonde hair. He tries to see who the other one is in the caption and it's unfortunate that I know that Grindelwald and Dumbledore have a thing because this would have been a fun plot twist. I'm assuming this is Grindelwald because Harry's first thought is like, oh, is this, what was the guy's name? It's like a four letter. Oh uh, yeah, Dodge. Dodge, yeah. He's like, is this Dodge? Which makes it not Dodge. So I'm thinking it's Grindelwald. <laughs> the, and The classic is Harry is always wrong school <laughs> <Yeah>. of deduction. <laughs> so, except for the one time about Malfoy. So this is unfortunate that the Grindelwald thing would have been a cool plot twist here because I've known about it because of Fantastic and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, it, I couldn't avoid knowing that Dumbledore and Grindelwald have a past. So it would have been fun to be like, ooh. But before Harry can confirm this, or at least confirm my theory, enter thickness. So thick <laughs> <laughs> See, if you keep calling him thickness, it's mm -hmm. just going to lend itself mm -hmm. to talking about him that way. Good, good, good. Yo, what up? It's editing, Mike. After we finished recording this episode, David kept laughing about this part, enter thickness, and how it made him want to write a rap song centered around Yaxley using Imperio on Thickness. Well, David wrote that song and then I played the role of Yaxley. He played the role of Thickness and he put together an incredible song, which we'll play at the end of the episode. You have to stay tuned. It's unreal. But until then, let's take a little break because it's time for Wingardium at Redosa. Today's episode of Potterless is also brought to you by Tab for a Cause. You know that feeling when you're on your computer and you open a tab because you remember you needed to do something and then the second you click the tab, you have no idea what you're opening that tab for. You can't remember what you're trying to do. You already have 5,000 tabs open because this is how people use computers nowadays. And you sit there trying to think about what you want to do. You end up closing your tab and going back to Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, whatever it is. And you think, man, what a waste of time. Well, what if that wasn't a waste of time? What if that opening of a tab 
actually raise money for charity. With Tab for a Cause, that's possible. If you go to tabforacause.org slash potterless, that's T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E dot org slash potterless, you can learn about the amazing charity work that Tab for a Cause is doing. They've raised over $705,000 for charity, and you can make one click on a button that will install a Google Chrome extension that will make this so easy. Every time you open a new tab, it's got the time. You can add widgets. It has a nice serene background that changes every single day. It's wonderful. It's peaceful. And then you get to donate money to charity. You're already going to open a bunch of tabs every day. Why not make that productive? You can raise money for charity in the easiest way possible that I could ever think of by going to tabforacause.org slash potterless today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Now, in the Harry Potter world, you have troubles with cell phones in that no one can use them on Hogwarts because technology gets all wonky and stuff. In the non-wizarding world, you have troubles with cell phones in that you can have awful contracts where you get ripped off all the time. Now, you can have a solution to that problem by using Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile sells wireless phone service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass those sweet savings on to you so that you can get wireless plans as cheap as 15 dollars a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You won't have to worry about overpriced monthly bills or unexpected overages. And also, every plan comes with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. I have Mint Mobile hooked up on my work phone right now, and... Every phone call I've had, crystal clear. Every time I've had to use data, very quick. Using hotspots is something that I also get with my plan, and I love having that flexibility. So if you want to ditch overpriced wireless bills, you can do so with Mint Mobile. They have a limited time deal, and you can get a premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash potterless. That's mintmobile.com slash potterless. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com potterless. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So if you want to solve your muggle problems with phones, use Mint Mobile today. Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert. That's right. I'm the same Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to hear something similar, well, boy, are you in luck because I make a very similar podcast to Potterless called The Newest Olympian. That is the one that's going on currently. If you get caught up with Potterless, you will see that I only post episodes every month or so. But The Newest Olympian has weekly episodes, and that is a podcast with a similar structure to Potterless. But it's about the Percy Jackson books. That's right. I also didn't read those as a kid. So if you want to hear me going through that whole series for the first time, you can listen to The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Newest Olympian or going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. I've made my way through the first five books so far. I covered the first movie and the TV show. I did interviews with people who made the TV show, and I'm soon getting into the Heroes of Olympus sequel books. So again, that's The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. So Harry is able to quickly throw the invisibility cloak over him just in time because when Thickness entered, he wasn't looking directly at Harry and he starts to write a note to Umbridge so Harry pieces out. At this point, Harry decides that their best option is just to get the hell out of there and try again another day. It's a lost cause. So he gets in the lift and at floor two, meaning he's gone down a floor, 
right? Yes. Okay, so he's gone down a floor, and a soaking wet Ron comes in. And then they go one more floor down, and Mr. Weasley enters, talking to a blonde witch named Wakanda. I'm sorry, a blonde witch named Wakanda? Wakanda. Wakanda. Hey, you you know the name's got to come from somewhere else, because they didn't make themselves known to the outside world yet. (laughs) I'm not a comic book expert, but shouldn't Black Panther be popular enough where J.K. Rowling might have heard of the mythical African nation? Mm. Like, is it not? I'm not going to claim to have heard of it before Black Panther showed up in the Marvel movies. I didn't either, but I also was young. Like, I I don't. I feel like some editor should have been like, oh, J.K. Rowling, that's the name of a fictional African nation. I don't know. And like, maybe don't make it a blonde girl. Like, I don't think it's fair to blame J.K. Rowling I, for not uh, knowing this random piece of primarily American comic book lore. Sure. <laughs> I think it's hilarious in retrospect. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to give her a pass on this one. <laughs> oh, man, you're so much nicer than me. Um, so Arthur shoots Harry a glare, which makes Harry at first think that he noticed him through the disguise of the polyjuice potion. But we learn that is not the case. Ron and Arthur then have a brief conversation about how to fix the rain situation. And <laughs> Arthur gives him some advice of a spell that he should use. And Ron almost replies, thanks, Dad, because thanks, D- Arthur. (laughs) Um, Thanks to Arthur. (laughs) Thanks, D. Arthur. Wakanda then leaves. Ron then leaves. And Harry also tries to leave. But Percy is in the way, reading a big old stack of papers, which just makes me very grumpy because now this chapter has my two least favorite people in it, Umbridge and Percy, the true villain of the series, and Dolores Umbridge. You know, there's a lot of things I can't stand, but the worst one is being insufferably irritating. He's, uh, and like vaguely Nazi youth-ish, but not the worst, but he disrespected his own family, and Molly and Arthur are the nicest people, and I won't stand for it. I just won't. I mean, he is a pretty extreme conformist. Yeah. Right, like, Percy's chief flaw is like, he wants to be doing the normal thing, mm-hmm. and he doesn't come from a normal family. He follows the rules too closely that he won't even question an obnoxious rule. And he picks the rules badly. Yeah. Right? Like, you know the idea, like, man's got to have a code? Mm-hmm. It's like he picked, like, the parking code. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> Well, I'm. This is less than thirty feet within a stop sign. <laughs> you know, like instead of like picking a more like a real like moral system, sure. he just kind of has the like. There's a term for that. I, I want to say it's like legalism. Sure. The idea that like the law is morality. Uh, like yeah, anything yeah. legal is fine, and mm-hmm. anything illegal is terribly immoral. Uh, yeah. No, it's not a great way to nah, live. Nah, he's just the worst. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he is so caught in his papers that he doesn't notice that it's Arthur in the elevator at first, but when he looks up and realizes this is Arthur, the next time the lift stops and opens, he runs out. So the ministry is not that big. This has to happen like once a week. This is exactly my thought. Like how I didn't even put two and two together for this, but they are clearly not on speaking terms. They don't like each other. And there's not that many people working there. How That's gotta be, oh, this has happened a lot. To me, that just adds another level to this exchange of like both like Arthur and like, you know, however he feels about like seeing his son Mm -hmm. at least once a week, Mm -hmm. being reminded that they are no longer on speaking terms. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. It's rough. So after Percy leaves, Harry then tries to leave. But before he can, Arthur confronts Runcorn about tracking down a wizard who faked his family tree and then got put in Azkaban because of it. 
So good on Arthur Weasley for standing up to this person that Harry is disguised as, yeah. who sucks. But Harry then tries to warn Arthur that he's being tracked, asking, you know you're being tracked, right, Arthur? And Arthur says, is that a threat, Runcorn? <laughs> which I love. And the lift doors then open, and Arthur storms off, which, man, he's so good. Yeah, I, I love that we get to see that side of Arthur, because we see him be, like, eccentric. Mm-hmm. We see him be, like, a good person. Mm-hmm. He knows what's up, and he's still, like, working in the ministry, whether mm-hmm to keep up appearances or because, you know, he doesn't have... There's no other jobs. Yeah, he, well, he doesn't have a productive thing, really, that he could be doing right now mm-hmm. other than doing the first part of the Incredibles thing where, like, when he comes into the scene, he's basically, like, advising someone about how to, like, oh, keep clear yeah. of the government yeah. purges, right? So, like, that's cool that we get to see him doing that, but it's also cool that we get to see, like, if being a pureblood is going to make me safe from retribution, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to use that to stand up when I can... He doesn't have, like, any threat to back it up, but he mm-hmm. can just do the the equivalent of just like, hey, I see you. Yeah. I see what you're doing, mm-hmm. and that's not okay. Like, that's... Yeah, go Arthur. Yeah, he's great. And it's good to see his virtue towards someone that's not in his immediate family. Yeah. We see him stand up and protect the Weasleys or Harry, Hermione, the Order, etc. But now we get to see it for someone that, I don't know, just a colleague or yeah. an acquaintance. And he's standing up for this person because Runcorn has gone above and beyond just to be a jerk <laughs> and, you know, put someone in an awful family situation where their father, their husband, whoever, is going to prison. So yeah. it's good to see Arthur stand up for someone that he might not even have any sort of close connection to. Yeah. The lift then gets to the atrium. Harry puts on the invisibility cloak again and he makes his way to the courtroom and he starts to feel a chilling sensation in his throat because it's filled with dementors, which is super fun. So as Harry approaches, he overhears and sees someone screaming against their will being carried away that they are a half-blood and that they have proof and that they should look up their family member and Umbridge threatens them with the Dementor's kiss if they continue to struggle. So we get to see Umbridge in her true element here. Well, and here's the other thing is you can kind of see from that reaction of, no, no, I'm half-blood. This is the muggle registration. Mm -hmm. How, you know, how long before they come for the half-bloods? Oh, totally. It's the next step. Right, like, you know, even that excuse isn't going to do them any favors, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's kind of the thing where you can imagine someone, whether it's Umbridge or somebody else, just go, so what? Or, oh, yeah. cool, you still half suck, and I'm rounding up. You're a full <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh, that talk about an insult. You half suck, and I'm rounding up. That can go in our uh, bias thickness brag rap. Ooh, ooh, I dig it. Yeah, we'll have to do an epic rap battle of history of bias thickness. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so a woman is then called in next and Harry follows her into the room. I was kind of confused of how the layout of this all worked. So I think he he basically like he's going through like a hallway or like a lobby or like uh-huh. a waiting area on the way into the actual like courtroom. Okay. There's like people and dementors outside, but like they're waiting to get. And so he he basically from a distance can see Umbridge or whatever. So this dude started in this smaller room. He is then removed out and Harry hears him screaming and then they call in someone else. Yeah. So I pictured it as Harry is coming in through the waiting area, Mm -hmm. walking towards the courtroom. Courtroom door opens. Person is dragged out screaming. Oh, okay. And then he can see through. Yeah. So now he can see through the open door. Nice. Okay. Cool. Cool. So he follows this woman in and we see this scene for the smaller room that is filled with even more dementors. It's Umbridge with the Axley in 
Hermione flanking her, and there's a Patronus cat walking back and forth, guarding them from all the Dementors that are in this room. We learn that the woman is Reg's wife, so the wife of the guy that Ron is disguised as, and she is sobbing, and she's very distraught, and she's trying to prove that she shouldn't be here. Harry then sneaks around behind Hermione, and before he says anything, he thinks, if I somehow try to get Hermione's attention, she is going to jolt uncontrollably. And then he says, screw it, and whispers, (laughs) I'm behind you, which causes her to, understandably, jolt uncontrollably and almost (laughs) spills over a thing of ink, but thankfully it goes unnoticed because Umbridge and Yaxley are so into torture that they don't notice. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that when I read that part, and like, yeah, I can't actually think of any anything that wouldn't Right, I was like, what if he tapped her on the shoulder? Oh, no, that's not going to be better. I went through the exact same thought process of, okay, what could have worked better? And I couldn't think of anything better unless they had some sort of sign or signal, which feels like that should have been it because you know, I guess it comes down to the fact that they never had a plan for splitting up. Yeah, I think think that's it. She has no reason to suspect at any moment here Mm -hmm. that he will ever make it down. (laughs) Like, she's going to have to go through the rest of this workday. Yeah. And then, you know, at 5 p.m., like, finally get to leave and hope that they can... Uh, yeah, what would have been the best plan is that if they come up with a plan for if they split up and say, okay, if there's a situation where I'm under the invisibility cloak, whistle or make some sort of yeah. noise that would maybe sound like an ambient noise, but if you do it a certain number of times, be like, oh, I heard three clickings, you know? Or if they still have the uh, the DA galleons. Ooh, right. Uh, that, yeah, that, they could have uh, done that. burn hot when you change the text on them. Oh, Jeez, they should have. Well, no, here's the problem. Hermione's the only one who knows how to change the text. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) This again is the problem. When Hermione can't do stuff, which is going to happen later. So many times it's like, you want to know. And and again, this is another lesson that the book isn't trying to teach you, but you've got six books of them cheating off Hermione in class. (laughs) And then you get first chapter of this book. Harry has never learned how to do a single healing spell. The number of times he's been injured hasn't learned how to do a healing spell. Just all the things that Harry can't do Mm -hmm. and Ron can't do or like don't know how to do or just never bothered to pick up because Mm -hmm. Hermione does that. Yeah, a a good (laughs) hidden message of, hey, do your homework, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Hermione then points out Umbridge's pendant when she hands her some paper. She's like, oh, nice pendant you got, Dolores. Uh, it's just the locket, but Umbridge lies that the S stands for Selwyn, which is a pureblood family, and she goes on to say that there are few pureblood families that she's not related to, which doesn't really feel like a compliment or a brag, even though it's framed as such. It, it feels strange to me. Well, I think as has been pointed out before, all the pureblood families are related to each other. Which is creepy and weird and incesty. Beca- well, because of that, again, this is what happens when you're obsessed with purity. Like, you look yeah. at the royal lines of Europe. You look at, like, any group that has decided to, like, exclusively breed with each other. You get problems. Yeah. And, you know, eventually everyone is interconnected. And, and Arthur, I think as Arthur even points out in the fifth book when they're looking at the Black family tree and just kind of says, like, there are no pure blood families because anybody who has exclusively pure blood has so messed up Mm -hmm. that they're either about to go extinct or they're already gone that the only way that their genetic lines can possibly continue producing non-messed up people is not (laughs) exclusively breeding (laughs) in this very very small already inbred group yeah uh yeah that yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> so Harry gets super mad at this, and he pulls out Stupefy, which, whoa, not Expelliarmus. Big move, Harry Potter. I guess he took one lesson from Lupin. <laughs> so, and it was change up your spells sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I am. This made me think of uh, one of those video games where you get to choose four things, and you get to this point, and it's like, what are you going to do? And three of the four choices are Expelliarmus, and then one is Stupefy. <laughs> it's like X, Expelliarmus. Square, Expelliarmus. Triangle, Expelliarmus. Circle, Stupefy. <laughs> I feel like with Harry, though, he'd be like, you know, he, he'd like, he actually picked four. Right? There's uh, Sectum Sempra, which he will never use again. I thought it was Sectum Sempra. Do not trust me on pronunciation. But Sectum Sempra the... made me think you said Sectum Tempora, which I was like, ooh. Yeah, that's, that's how you cut a tempura mm, shrimp right blood. down the middle. <laughs> yes, sliced things, yeah. breaded and fried. Yeah, it shells shrimp for you. <laughs> uh, you know, so one of them's that, which he won't use. One of them's the Jelly Legs Jinx, which no one will ever use because it's worthless. <laughs> it's one of them's Expelliarmus, which has like a bunch of PP, so he uses it all the time. And then the other one's <laughs> stupid. I'm Harry Potter is a Pokemon, is what we're saying. <laughs> it's so true. Oh my goodness. Oh gosh, it does have. A- <laughs> That's so good. Anyway, yeah, stupefies like flamethrower where you have like 15 of them it's good but you can't use it all the time yeah and then Expe- ember is expelliarmus you can just you can throw out embers all day you never have to go to the pokey gym and it has a 10 percent chance of reducing your opponent's speed and a 50 percent chance of someone knowing hey it's harry potter in disguise <laughs> <laughs> so umbridge goes flying the patronus then goes away which makes me think that this was the dumbest plan is i'm in a room of dementors what if i got rid of the one thing keeping my friends safe can we just backtrack for a second sure. and just talk about the fact that Umbridge can cast a Patronus in that room? Oh, yes. She is fully in her element. This is her happy place. This is where she wants to be. It's interesting to me. In the books, it's kind of implied, or at least, you know, we never or rarely see anyone on the bad guy's side use a Patronus. No. Right, and I think part of the implication of that is that... They can't feel happiness. Well, yeah, that that evil is not compatible with the kind of positive feelings that are needed to create a Patronus. Sure. So I think it is really fascinating to see, like, you can have somebody whose happiness is from something very perverse, Mm -hmm. and, like, they're still happy. They like those happy memories can still fuel a Patronus. Ugh. Just the things that make them happy are terrible. Yeah. Uh, think about things like, you know, Tonks's Patronus changing, mm-hmm. right? That the shift in your happiness is what changes the shape of your Patronus. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you can have a, a evil happy Patronus. <laughs> mm. Mm. I don't know. I think that's just an interesting thing to observe yeah again it makes umbridge that much more terrifying as a villain yeah that she is able to do this spell that we have not seen any other villain do yet because this is like her happy element yeah (laughs) she's so gross but that's what makes her so good uh so harry then hits yaxley with stupefy and hermione yells to harry and harry immediately tries to say oh hermione don't yell at me and she's like no mrs cattermole is being attacked by dementors like get your shit together so harry uses expecto patronum and then mrs cattermole is shocked that it's runcorn because runcorn we also learn is the one that submitted mary's name 
for questioning. So we have now learned that the person that they randomly stole stuff <laughs> off of to have Harry disguised as with Polyjuice is just like the biggest narc ever. Well, yeah, because I think the other guy, Dick Criswell, is also a ministry employee, right? Mm-hmm. So it's clearly like Runcorn is the guy who is going through the ranks of the ministry. Yeah. And it's kind of implied from the first guy who tells him about Criswell is maybe not doing it systematically, mm. but rather doing it specifically. Yes. To get people who, you know, he doesn't like, which again, I'm like, I'm going to go back to the, the like real life parallels here sure. is also what you find in, you know, these like purity obsessed society, both, uh, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, like there's plenty of people where you hear about like Nazi, like sympathizers who are like turning over all these people, but like protecting the guy they like, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, that Jewish family next door. No, no, you, you're not taking those guys away, but are still totally okay with everybody else. Yeah. Or like, I've just been listening through the revolutions podcast on the okay. French revolution. Huh? And there's some like very like frightening examples of, you know, whoever is in power and is now going to purge the government of the like remaining like evil elements that are like keeping this like revolutionary government from rising to the top and who that is changes constantly. And yet somehow the same people manage to stay in power and always manage to finger the people they don't like as being part of whatever group is currently supposedly opposed to the government. Mm -hmm. Not only is the achievement of purity not great, the attempt to achieve purity tends to just get used for people's petty grievances to end Uh. up in a lot of people getting guillotined. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Hermione then does Geminio, which I think is a fun little Gemini play, to make a duplicate locket so that when they steal the real locket, Umbridge won't notice. And this is another moment where Harry could have really used this earlier when he ripped the eye telescope out of the door. Totally. He totally could. But we know that Harry doesn't ever go above and beyond to learn things that would be useful. (laughs) Then Harry tries to use Defindo to break the chains that Mary had, but it doesn't work. And then he calls Hermione over and Hermione's like, wait a second, like I'm doing this thing. Uh, (laughs) I'm making this duplicate that's going to save our ass. And then she comes over and then she uses Relatio. So she is, again, just saving the day. We'd all be screwed if we didn't have Hermione. (laughs) Mary's confused, but Harry and Hermione say, just come with us. Hermione asks Harry how they're going to get out of there. And Harry just turns to her and says, Patronuses. And then cue the theme song from The Matrix when they run through the (laughs) the hallway in bullet time because this is where this whole scene just turns into an action flick where they just start running. Hermione tries to use Expecto Patronum and then Harry mansplains to Mary like, oh, this is the one spell she's always had a problem with. Such a pity. And then Hermione immediately just gets it to work right after. All she needed was Harry's bullshit to (laughs) inspire her to use one. I mean, I I will say again to the point of like Umbridge's happy place, it's interesting that... Harry is flawlessly able to conjure a Patronus when he's in danger Mm -hmm. and Hermione is not. And I think, again, that speaks to Harry likes this. Harry's an improviser. (laughs) Right. Being like in the action, like being active, like doing something to like fight for like justice or whatever he wants to be fighting for right now is Harry's happy place, Mm -hmm. which is right as why he like rips Mad-Eye Moody's eye out of the door, Mm -hmm. which is why he like takes off the invisibility cloak at maybe not the best time in this moment. No. But then is immediately surround in a room surrounded by Dementors, which is his worst fear in the world, mm-hmm. is in the place to just, like, Patronus it up. Mm-hmm. Where, like, this is not Hermione's happy place, no. right? Like, she's a planner. She, mm-hmm. like, does Hermione, not want to be in the Hermione the- prefers sketch comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just more of that, like, interesting depth to be like, okay, why is it easy in this moment for Harry to conjure Patronus mm-hmm. and not for Hermione? Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, she she's not in her happy place. No, she's right not. Now. But she gets it to work. Yeah, uh, she gets the otter to fly out. She is a Gryffindor. Yeah, at the end at the end of the, <laughs> the, day, end of the day, she is, she is here for justice more than she is here for mansplaining. <laughs> so she gets the otter to go out. Harry then runs up to the group of people that were in this lobby waiting area, and and as Runcorn gives this fake decree that everyone is free to go, and the, and you should flee the country while you're at it. That's the rule. Now you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. I love him finally using his character, so to speak. Well, and I, I love the fourth out here because so much of this does and doesn't work based on how well they remember to use their disguises. Mm-hmm. In this moment, he has the presence of mind to speak as he appears mm-hmm. because like so much of the, like the the confusion here comes from them not being who they look like yes but just being like okay i am not me i am this guy <laughs> the way that this guy will effectively deliver this message is and mm-hmm. then he does that yeah but it confuses the hell out of mary because wait a second you're that nart guy <laughs> why are you helping me now and then harry's justification when she asked him that was i've had a change of heart <laughs> yeah he just pulled a full lando calrissian and empire strikes back here <laughs> So after this fake decree, they then bump into Reg, which is Ron disguised as Reg. And Mary asks him why he's so wet. And Ron replies, water, (laughs) which ah, love you, Ron. He then turns to Harry and warns him that the ministry knows that there are intruders here since Harry ripped a damn hole out of Umbridge's door. Never learned the spell to replace it. Never learned Geminio. Hermione's Patronus disappears. The squad then rallies the Muggleborns to fight off whoever approaches. Harry asks him, who here has a wand? And half of them are like, I do. And they're like, all right, we'll get ready. And then you hear the elevator arise at the floor and it's like eighth floor atrium, which again, very action movie-esque. <laughs> you get that like nice quiet moment right before all hell breaks loose. Totally, yeah, yeah. Like this would be like, the music would be playing and then there'd be like a drop and then it'd be like, eighth floor atrium. Blah, 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 blah. You're going to be really disappointed when you see this movie. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, God. Oh, damn it. It's going to be so bad. Uh, what? We need the TV series. <laughs> so they keep running and then they see the fireplaces with the flu network and there's a bunch of wizards sealing them up and Harry, again, utilizing his character, yells at them all to stop sealing them. And the people are confused. They're saying, whoa, we're supposed to stop the Muggleborns from getting out. And Harry tells them, no, these ones are good. <laughs> and, and that works well enough. Gets them out of there. But then the real reg enters, which causes lots of confusion with Ron and then Mary and the real reg. There's lots of craziness going on. And then to make things even more crazy, Yaxley enters. So what does Harry do? He punches some random ball <laughs> wizard in the face and then tells Yaxley that that guy is helping muggle-born people escape. <laughs> Which it's, uh, it's just like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm just going to uppercut this dude in the jaw. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that's, it, it worked. But the combination of Harry's authority and the overall confusion happening right now makes that not a terrible plan. No. To be honest, right? Like, that guy's causing trouble. And it's like, well, that he was he said that really authoritatively. Mm-hmm. And this is the big narc guy. And he the, wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> I'm Yaxley. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of trouble being caused around here. Yeah. It's it's probably that guy. <laughs> Glad you punched him. (laughs) So there's enough time for them 
with all the confusion going on to get out and then they try to apparate to Grimald Place and it's very confusing and I even had to ask you before we recorded what happens and you had to clarify. You'll learn in the next chapter. But that's the end of this chapter and this episode of Potterless. So uh, I get to figure out why this apparition didn't go properly and what actually happened. But big old cliffhanger for now, (laughs) (laughs) which is becoming a theme on these episodes of Potterless. (laughs) It happened last time. It happened this time. But I'll figure out what's going on. But that's the end of uh, chapter 13. David, how do you feel about this one? Oh, man, I have. uh, I don't know. I. I enjoy this chapter. Yes. Uh, I enjoy Harry Potter in general. No Good. surprises. <laughs> uh, this chapter for me and the whole infiltration of the ministry sequence mm-hmm. is this combination of, wow, that, that's amazing rolling with the punches. Like you've yeah. uh, you've ended up in a weird situation and like you, you rolled with it and you dealt with it and that's great. And 50% like, why'd you do that? Yeah. It's, <laughs> there's no in between. It's either brilliant move, Harry, or damn it, Harry. Like there's no in between. You know, they make such good use of the situation situations they have it's unfortunate that they split up but uh they take great advantage of hermione going with umbridge Mm -hmm. they take great advantage of the things they learn about themselves from the way that other people react to them even ron has a moment yeah he has the one moment of warning them that people are onto them but other than that he's just trying to stop rain from (laughs) raining uh well I i was gonna say also he has a great moment of like the guy that I am must be an idiot because of the way that people are treating him. Oh, right. Right, like they all are are making good use of what they have. On the other hand, they're clearly in over their heads. Yes. But I, I think it also speaks to, and you know, to hit back on like what I've been saying about this kind of government and this sure. kind of governance, they highlight something that J.K. Rowling has kind of alluded to in interviews, which is that wizards are not better than muggles, actually. Yeah. Like the security of the headquarters of the wizarding government Mm -hmm. is laughable to the point that three 17-year-olds using well-known wizarding techniques Mm -hmm. are able to infiltrate it this effectively. Like, granted, like they stumble, but they succeed Mm -hmm. effectively. And to that point, I I feel like, you know, like they say there's no anti-war movie. Okay. Right, like, like if you make a movie about war, you have to make war something that people want to watch. Uh-huh. And if you've done that, you haven't made an anti-war movie. Huh. Kind of saying that you can't have anti-racist racism, uh. right? Like even as we say, like oh, like you know, being pure blood is stupid, or it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't matter because like clearly it doesn't. There is still something to the idea of pure blood. It just sounds good. Yeah. Like that's that's a good sounding combination of words. Like mud blood. That's a good slur. It really makes you not like the person that it's about. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like it's easy to kind of like, even a little bit to just sort of buy into that branding. Like for a second think that, oh, I guess it makes sense to only have wizards be wizards because then you'll be better at magic and you lower the chance of being a squid. Yeah, there's this like kind of gross logic to it. And I think there are, and I don't get me started on revisionist (laughs) fan fiction, but there are like fanfics where like Hermione turns out to be a pureblood all along or like Ah. something like that, right? Where Uh. it's, it's so easy even for us as like fans and people who are like totally on board with the books to kind of even just a little bit be like oh but being a pureblood sounds great like yeah i'd, I'd want to be one of those and it's like you know what the purebloods are dumb yeah the concept of pureblood is terrible and and gross and repulsive and the idea that wizards are in any way really like better than muggles is completely false yeah right and like yeah like i would you know i'm disappointed i can't go to hogwarts too mm-hmm. but and I, I mean i maybe this is the key point of the book is magic doesn't solve anything 
No. Right? There are still good people and bad people, mm-hmm. and being magic or not being magic has got nothing to do with it. Yeah. This uh, chapter made me think a lot about uh, culture and, and governance and made me want to be a better person. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Look at these heartfelt moments on the Potterless Podcast. <laughs> so, yes. Thank you so much for being on and for bringing some great discussion to it. Thank uh, you so much for there, having me. No, honored and so glad to have you. Is there anything you want to tell the listeners to check out? Maybe your last earwax oh, stuff, which is hilarious. I, uh, you know, the, the things I made 10 years ago, <laughs> like anything you made 10 years ago, are... Uh, you know, a mix of, man, I did that, and, oh, man, I, I did, did that. <laughs> uh, but if you want to check out uh, the Wizard Rock music that I did as Alas Earwax, uh, you can check it out at earwaxrock.bandcamp.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my MySpace page still exists, nice. myspace.com slash earwaxrock. Um, the music player doesn't work anymore because MySpace is a garbage heap now. Wait, what? I thought the only thing it was reduced to now was music. You know, you'd think when they focused on the one thing they were good at, but no, they... Whoever redesigned the website, it's absolute garbage now. Uh, but they you, need to get Tom back in there. Get that man in front of a whiteboard. <laughs> oh, they, if somebody could make another social media service that did music as well as MySpace did, mm-hmm. uh, I would invest my life savings in them. Man. Yeah, I'll just buy MySpace. I'm sure it's cheap enough that <gasps> yeah, I could afford it now. You've got $20, uh, right? Come on. <laughs> but, you know, if, if you're curious, if you, if you go to the MySpace page and look at my top eight, you can see the other wizard rock bands that I played with and loved, the Parcel Mouths, Colin and the Creevies. Uh, if you guys are listening, hi. <laughs> Hello. Uh, let's, let's work together again. Uh, this is making me nostalgic. But yeah, that's uh, that's my my short and less than storied Wizard Rock career. No, I love it. I have your album, which is wonderful. And my favorite song is the one that I played at the beginning of this episode. There's a face <laughs> in the back of my head. And it is just a whole little fun little campfire song about Quirrell. <laughs> I may never do such good work again. <laughs> but David, thank you so much for being on. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they get into the big ministry elevator, wizard on! (laughs) What up, fam? Editing Mike, back at it again. I am happy to present to you Enter Thickness, written, programmed, and performed by David Gordon, a.k.a. Alas Earwax, featuring me under my new wizard rap name, Ludo Badman. And yes, that's bad with two Ds. If you want to download the song, you can go to bit.ly slash enter thickness and that is spelled like his actual last name bit.ly slash e-n-t-e-r-t-h-i-c-k-n-e-s-s-e i hope you enjoy the song it fucking slaps enter thickness enter thickness enter 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 Thickness. thickness, thickness, can I get a witness? Let me hit you with this verse like a hit list. Bit this terse little curse, gonna get this. Nat 20, that's right, I crit this. Brit, don't quit. What? Brit, don't quit. What? Brit, don't quit. Who? Enter thickness. I'm pious, righteous, unbiased. Bribes can't buy us, you best not try us. Curse unforgivable, land you in Azkaban. I'm in command, got the law of the land in my hand. Don't test me, you'll come out the worse, sir. Number one, magical law enforcer. You're gonna be begging me. Stop, no more, sir. I'm gonna be running the show for sure. So, Imperio. Dang. Enter thickness. Highest, the sky is the limit, like Gaius, Julius Caesar. One minute, I'm just a department head. Now it's yes, minister. Scrim jaws out. Now it's me. Nothing sinister about it. Be careful, stay on the right side. You have nothing to fear if you have nothing to hide. 
Yaxley. Yaxley, that's me. Need to be reminded? Ask me. Who's he? I'm the one behind it. Back the attack. I refined and designed it. Stuck in a pickle and it's me that grinded. Have I impressed you? Now I possessed you. Not knock a guess who? Me, I'm the best you. If I had to pick this, it's my best trick. It's better than Christmas. Enter, Enter thickness. Dang. I wish I could shake this curse Best case, walk away Next case, in a hearse Worst case, is a body and mind Coerced to oppose everything I believe from the first Yaxley hacks me, strung up like a puppet Plays me like I was a sax or a trumpet Can't stop Won't stop me, oh my When I say jump I say how high Dang Exit this Ah, sorry, I was just getting under from this fire blanket to protect me from those hot bars. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Potterless and the song. Again, if you want to download the song, you can go to bit.ly slash enter thickness and check out the rest of Alas Earwax's music while you're there. And if you want to download the rap battle from a couple episodes ago, go to bit.ly slash the story of Lupindon. Potterless is created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica and Calvin Bauer, Sadie Baird, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkins, Klauser Lopu, Alex Stark, Rebecca Adamick, Frank Chiotto, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, Wanson Feliu, Jenna Dowsett, Kieran Webb, Abita Med, Caitlin Drun Pontolo, Rosemary Dodge, Jill Boulay, Maria Lisa Sikin, Ariel Bird, Romina Riva De Nira, Kumail Doc, Anthony Bonariga, Russell Dunk, Dustin Bolin Cooch, Katie Rogers, Audra, Indiana Mercer, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Rossanne Batamana, Micah Cole, Andrea Franz, Nikita Power, Colette Smith, Shrina Unadkat, Lala Palmer, Chelsea Green, Taylor Armstead, Love Cash Longer, Ali Madsen, Cassandra Aponte, Roxy Chaos, Amelia Krauss, Sean Montag, Jeremiah E. Hurd, Serenik, Jesus J. Morales, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary. Polito, Jessica Ann, Arnegut, the daughter, Brandy Baldonado, Melody McInnes, Kristen Chavez, Zach Ross Klein, Elisa Figueroa, Diego Costa, Daisy Carton's daughter, Jessica Jacob, Orca Grower, Jonathan Foy, Joe Harrison, Steve Trelor, Vivian the Owl, Samuel Minor, Victoria Renee, Takaria Ront, Darlene Ruiz, Drake Perez, James Stepp, Haley Hastings, Marino, Moster, Pinky Pan, Hannah Shepard, Angelina Withred, Ross Marie Heisen, Peter Bemis, Maria Vega, Phineas Ebner, Natalie Lozano, Victoria Julian, Lee Ganji Singh, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Cecily Tobol, Finn Stuckey, Mosin Siddiqui, Grace Riggle, Sammy Curti, Raul Pineda, Inga Nodstadter, Mari Wynn, Brian Wingate, Heidi Stoll, Alexander Consulver, John Kotker, Jenna Jew, Seferin Baez, Dusty Nickram, Noel Basile, Tao, Hala O'Keefe, Emily Tyrell, Michael Russell, Robin Fernandez, Patricia Colon, Aaron Rapp, Will Barrington, Neil Fournier, Liz Bigelow, Desiree Koff, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Ali Cat29, William Byford, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Everly Kindred, Kevin Harnoy, Lada B, Noah, Tracy Toya, Lucinda, Carlos Nino, Pam Webb, Nikki Amio, Shamil Faisal, Colleen King, Jennifer Marklow, Friday J. Svedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullifum, Kerry D. Bagason, Andrea Krog, Elisa Green. Even Lynn Walker, Emily Gale, Ryan King, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Weekend of Dead Cat Ladies, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. You can find us on social media at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. Any and all information about the show is at potterlesspodcast.com, and bonus content lives at patreon.com slash potterless. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, Wizard on! Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert. That's right, I'm the same Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to hear something similar, well, boy, are you in luck because I make a very similar podcast to Potterless called The Newest Olympian. That is the one that's going on currently. If you get caught up with Potterless, you will see that I only post episodes every month or so. But The Newest Olympian has weekly episodes, and that is a podcast with a similar structure to Potterless, but it's about the Percy Jackson books. That's right, I also didn't read those as a kid. So if you want to hear me going through that whole series for the first time, 
you can listen to The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Newest Olympian or going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. I've made my way through the first five books so far. I covered the first movie and the TV show. I did interviews with people who made the TV show, and I'm soon getting into the Heroes of Olympus sequel books. So again, that's The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts.